You're about to listen to an episode of Legally Fonds. This episode is brought to you in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inns entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online with a specific exam focus and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter, pre-recorded workshops are also available and courses commence every year in June and November. Register anytime at lawschool.ie and for a 10% discount on any course, just use the discount code LEGALLYFOND. Welcome to Legally Fond, episode one. I'm Gavin. I'm Alex. And I'm Pierce. First, we have to say that we're not law experts, we're just law students. And we know there's an appetite out there to learn more about how the law works, how it affects us, and how judges make their decisions. But if you've ever tried to pick up a legal textbook, as we have in the course of our education, it's full of convoluted words in Latin, and we feel it's time to make law a little bit more accessible. That's nothing new with law, that the language is archaic, the language is, is kind of quite obtuse and cumbersome and uh, confusing at times, deliberately so, which is why you get these you know, barristers with their blusters who confound people with uh, what are essentially very basic concepts. But, um, yes, I think you've, you've said that sentence in the most inaccessible way possible. <laughs> I yeah, think that's this, the irony of it. The purpose of this podcast was, as you, know, as you said, Pierce is to kind of combat all that. Ah, listen, we'll leave Pierce at it. The idea of Legally Fond is to make law accessible. Each episode, we're going to pick a different case, not go into it in too much detail, but give you the background to it, tell you what was decided, and what the implications of the decision were. It's so you can dip your toe into the world of law without needing a law degree. Welcome to Legally Fond Episode 1, Pot in a Kettle. Two-year-old girl sues granny after spilling tea on herself. I can see the headline on independent.ie already. Yes, I kid you not, this is the case we're covering on Legally Fond in this episode. We're going back to the 1970s to County Cork. So a little girl goes with her parents for tea and dinner in her granny's house. Now, there were three important people in this case, as well as the little girl. There's the granny, whose house it is she's in. There's the auntie, that's the granny's daughter, who's living with the granny and is kind of helping out around the house. And there's the little girl's mother. They ate dinner in what's known as the breakfast room. Now, one would assume they do not also have a lunch room and a dinner room. The breakfast room is the place where they eat food, their dining room of the house. This joins onto the kitchen and there's a door between the rooms. They agree to wash down their dinner with some tea afterwards. The little girl is left alone in the breakfast room where she's playing in the corner. The aunt has agreed to make the pot of tea and she leaves this by the edge of the table in the breakfast room. Meanwhile, this little girl's mother is washing dishes in the kitchen, but the angle that the door is open at, she can't, from her position, see the little girl playing in the breakfast room. After putting the tea down a couple of inches from the edge of the table, the phone starts ringing, so the auntie frantically runs out to the hall to pick up the phone. For just a moment, the little girl is left alone in the breakfast room, but in that time period, she puts her hands up on the table, grabs the teapot and the tea cosy, and pulls it down on herself, spilling scalding tea all over herself, and causing herself serious disfigurement and injury. That's what happened in the case. What are our first thoughts? 
it's it's tragic, of course, but it, it's quite interesting from a, a legal perspective because obviously she's pursuing this with the view to essentially, I, I guess, to try and uh, curb the extent of the medical bills that are going to be imposed upon the family as a result of the injuries. Alex, any sympathy for the young girl or do you think this is an early example of what we'd call compensation culture? You know, she's not old enough to uh, play a scratch card, but she's old enough to sue somebody, I think, says a lot. Okay, you guys seem to have diverging viewpoints about this. But before we go any further, I gotta say something similar to this actually happened to me when I was two years old. Funny enough, in my granny's house as well, and pulled a cup of hot tea all over myself. Wasn't scarred for life, and didn't sue my granny. Anything similar happened to you guys, or is it just me and this two-year-old girl? Um, I, yeah, I, had a, I had an incident as well where I, um, I fell on the... We, we'd call it a stove... I guess so you know the 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 fireplace stove that is. I hit the bridge of my nose, and I burnt and scarred it. But uh, again, major panic about this. But no doubt it was in the situation where mom and dad were home. Um, I think I think they were eating or something like that. It's a very open plan house. I was in the sitting room, and then just because children by nature are so volatile in, in what they're liable to do. I think it's it's very hard to um, to mitigate the possibility of anything happening. Yes, and moving on from the traumatic experiences of Pearson Gavin, well, I do Alex, think. The... Did you have any? Yeah, uh, come on, you have to share your story now. Did you have any uh, childhood trauma? Like I'm sure I did, but I didn't sue anybody. Yes, she's a very sympathetic plaintiff. It's a very young child who has suffered injuries, and they're trying to find a way to give them compensation. Again, we're discussing does this set a dangerous precedent well alex in a few minutes we're going to discuss what the precedent set was and what was actually decided in the case first of all though let's discuss the auntie now the auntie was the one who left the tea down in the breakfast room and then ran out to get the phone call when she ran out the girl pulled the tea up on top of herself and and scalded herself do we think the auntie was negligent and neglectful for running out to pick up the phone call or was this kind of just an unfortunate series of events that no one should be blamed for. Well, I, I think one of the interesting aspects of this case is kind of how you detail the house layout in that if she's working in the kitchen, she can kind of keep an eye on uh, on, on, on her um, on the child in, in the other room. And, and, and to be honest, I think that's fairly common practice in most households. In fact, you'd probably keep the child out of the environment in which the work was being done because they're probably more likely to cause I, I, I don't know you to trip up when you're when you're doing the washing up or or, or make a mess or something like that so you you, you keep them very much in sight but uh, out out of harm's way um, and you know I, I suppose it's instinctive then if the phone rings to go and to go and um, to go and answer it and nobody really anticipates that a, that an accident is going to occur in the 30 seconds, the minute or whatever it is that it takes to do that. So it's, it's hard to say that um, she was negligent. I just think it is uniquely unfortunate, uh, the timing uh, of how it happened. But, but I, I think her, her actions are, are, are some things that we, we could see our own mothers doing in, in any given situation when we were young. Well, definitely. Like... You- I wonder how many cases like this haven't made it to court. And, you know, just because something went wrong doesn't mean somebody was negligent for it to go wrong. Sure. So do you think maybe this is an example of the law trying to say that someone has to be, something went wrong, so somebody has to be responsible and somebody has to pay for the damages and the 
injury that it caused. Yeah, and I do understand that, considering just saying that it's an accident isn't really a satisfying result to a case for anybody, whether that be the plaintiff or even a judge. By the way, if you're wondering what a plaintiff is, the plaintiff is the person who takes the case, i.e. the person who is suing. So in this case, the little girl. Although she is suing through her father, because she's under 18, but not to worry about that right now. The aunt isn't the focus of this case, but I want to continue talking about her for a moment. In this scenario, the aunt ran out of the room to get the phone call. That's when the accident happened. What if the aunt had stayed in the breakfast room? She'd put the teapot down. She turned around and was momentarily distracted by something. And behind her back, the little girl had gone and spilt the teapot on herself. Was the aunt still negligent in that case? Or is this far too extreme altogether? I think uh, considering, you know, the little girl... The injured little girl was batting her eyelids up at the bench and I think she probably would have got compensation regardless of what had happened. Oh, Alex, you're so cynical. Pierce, what do you think? Would this create a situation where parents and family members always have to have their eyes fixed like lasers on the children in the house? No, I I think that's quite interesting because, I mean, in in that situation, what do you do? Do you strap the child into a a, a booster seat or something like that so they can't get around? (laughs) Uh, You know, like how how far do you go to prevent a child from doing these things? Now, that said, the, the, the teapot was probably fairly recklessly placed on the table probably towards the edge but not 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 to the point of outcry you know it wasn't dangling there in front of the child i i I do think it is it would have been harder to come to this the decision they came to if the auntie was still in the room kind of passively passively observing the child while on the phone pierce you know when a movie comes out about this i'm sure in a few years of this you know absolute classic of the irish courts how are you actually going to direct an actress to recklessly put a teapot down on the table she wasn't flinging it around the place she put it down and you know unfortunate accident it got pulled over but well you know you can be kind of you can be reckless in putting things down i mean a lot of people get quite anxious or stressed if they see a cup of tea on the edge of a table or something like my, my mother would be one of them uh, or indeed a, a naked cup on on a on an exposed wooden table is, oh, is don't state. start start yeah. world war three yeah you know uh, and then you might as well lean back on your chair as well while you're doing it. And <laughs> but um, did you hear about the guy who died from doing that? He leaned back too much on his chair in school. Yeah, my teacher told me. Cracked his head open. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think that happened in my school as well. Actually, oh, funny that. Funny that. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting to apply uh, what's been discussed in this case to something like a baby monitor. Let's say you're you're, you're cleaning up in a room and you've a baby monitor on next door. Uh, and perhaps even nowadays it has a camera on it, okay? So you can see what's going on. And then the child pulls the uh, pulls the tea down on top of themselves. Is 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 the individual in this case liable? Have, have they not been observing the child? It's funny how we've just inspired the next episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting example you've given, Pierce. Now, there's a case from the 1990s which is really interesting because it, it's kind of similar to the situation that you've brought up. There was a young girl, similar to this case, also in her grandparents' house. She was standing in the living room with her granddad. In the living room, there was a fire set. She was waiting for her granddad to bring her out for a walk. Now, earlier in the day, the granddad had put up a fire guard in front of the fire to prevent anyone falling into it or anything falling into it or whatever. But somebody else in the house had taken that fire guard away. The granddad was standing looking out the window with his back to the little girl 
and the girl had her back to the fire. But she, whatever, stepped back in the direction of the fire, which was now without a fire guard, and her coat caught flames. And she successfully sued her granddad, despite him being in the room, just facing the opposite direction. Because he was liable for the fire guard not being there and not keeping a watchful eye on his granddaughter. Is it a case that you can't turn your back in Ireland without being liable for something that happens behind you? Was Dunn Stores not also sued in this for the, the, the manufacturing of the coat? Because there was the issue over the label over whether it identified that the coat was flammable and the materials that have been used, whether they were known to be flammable, which is a far more kind of acceptable and digestible concept, the suing of the, the manufacturer or the, the, the suing of the vendor of, uh, of clothes that are expected to, to meet you know, some, some level of standards in regards to their ability to resist fire or something like that. That's correct. Dunn stories were also sued as part of this case, because it was alleged that there was no keep away from fire, this material is flammable label on the jacket. However, Dunstores wasn't found liable. Why was that? Well, as far as I recall, it was because the little girl's mother said, had I known that this coat was flammable, I wouldn't have dressed her in it. I wouldn't have bought it for her in the first place. However, the court found that the other clothes that the girl was wearing under that jacket, I think they were pajamas, coincidentally also from Dunstores, had uh, labels on them saying this material is flammable keep away from fire so that kind of contradicted the mother's point because the mother had dressed her in those pajamas as well as the coat it's funny how what the mother said about the clothes conveniently fit into the legal argument that she was about to make you know and so if anybody listening can actually tell me what the label on their clothes says then fine you know you win a prize but i don't think anybody actually reads those you expect that they're not going to spontaneously combust but i presume if, if you throw my I t-shirt give, into, i give them a read alex flyer, i like to know fire. i like to know what kind of cotton blend i'm getting for my uh, trousers and things like that you know <laughs> what are you wearing at the moment pierce this could be well i'm uh, i do well there are other shops available i'd just like to qualify what i'm about to say i'm wearing a pair of burton pink slacks <laughs> And nothing else, no. And, <laughs> and uh, what I suspect is a fake Lacoste polo shirt, which my grandfather bought me. And um, yeah, so well, what, what about what about it's you, an Gavin? Out, it's what, an outfit what? for radio, Pierce. Anyway, um... <laughs> so we've kind of agreed so far that this little girl is in a terrible situation. She's got these horrific injuries after spilling the tea on herself. You know how soft a, a young child's skin is; it can it can cause so much more damage to the skin at that age than than at an older age. She mightn't have private health insurance. Why? Because it was the 1970s in Ireland. It was a poorer country and I don't know how common private health insurance was then. And it's also mentioned in the case that the family had just moved back from living abroad. So perhaps, um, you know, they hadn't really got themselves set up in the country as such. But on the other hand, in fact, myself and Pierce have said similar things happened to us as a child. We didn't go searching compensation for them. And they were just seen as accidents or unfortunate series of events in very casual settings, which nobody should be hauled into a courtroom to be answerable for. I think that's a fair summation of what we've had so far. But let me explain what's happening legally here. But in this case, the girl isn't actually suing her aunt, the one who ran out of the breakfast room to pick up the phone call. She's suing her granny instead. Well, why would she be suing her granny? 
Okay, let's get prepared for some law. So there's this concept in this area of law called vicarious liability, which basically means one person can be liable for the negligence, the wrongdoing of somebody else. It might sound very unusual to you, this concept. This kind of emerged in the 1700s, um, and it's commonly been seen since in the employment relationship. So let's say I'm an employer, I run a construction company, for instance, and one of my employees drops a brick on somebody else's foot and breaks their foot. I can be responsible for my employee's negligence. Why? Because I guess I'm meant to have control over him, I'm meant to be telling him what to do, and I'm meant to give him the proper training to ensure he doesn't go around dropping bricks on people's feet. So it's a very old-fashioned idea, but that's what's taking place here. In this scenario, though, they are saying that the granny is responsible for the negligence of the auntie. Well, I, I think it also comes down to a financial element as well, the kind of deep pockets argument, True. whereby, let, you know, who's going to be best disposed to uh, compensate somebody for injuries suffered? And I think, I, I'm not sure about this, Gavin, but you might, you might um, tell me if I'm right or wrong here. W was the aunt actually living with the grandmother um, in this situation or, or was there some kind of arrangement where I, I think the aunt didn't have a particularly stable financial situation and that also motivated them to sue the grandmother as opposed to the aunt? Yeah, so the aunt was living with the grandmother at the time. I think the granny had some kind of insurance policy on the house mm -hmm. which would have covered this. Legally Fawn's legal advice of the day is sewer the money is. That is not only a legal lesson, that is a life lesson. So we've got this idea of vicarious liability, which we've explained, which is what's being alleged in this case. Alex, how was the case decided in the end? The decision overall was that, indeed, the grandmother was responsible for this very unfortunate circumstance. Yes, that's correct. I think Justice Walsh said that the aunt was standing in the shoes of the granny at the time, the granny could control how the tea was served, when it was to be served, and whether or not it was going to be served in the first place. And the aunt was just following her instructions in terms of that. The judge said that if the aunt was a maid in the house, i.e. if she was being paid to help around the house, then the granny definitely would have been vicariously liable. Why is that? Well, it goes back to what we said earlier. Vicarious liability is most common in an employment context, where there's an employer and an employee, and the, the employer would be vicarious li vicariously liable for the negligence or injury caused by the employee. Although in this circumstance, the aunt wasn't being paid to help around the house. She was just doing it as a favour for the granny, but the judge didn't see any difference there. Pierce, what do you make of this? You know, it, it's interesting because tea is such a cultural uh, and institutional pillar in Ireland, the making of tea, the offering of tea, and... Um, the expectation on the behalf of the grandmother is 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 not something that's ridiculous um, to, to anyone. I think who's grown up in Ireland, uh, I, I think it's very commonplace thing to have a cup of tea after your dinner, after your lunch, or anything like that. Um, but I, I find that quite interesting that you're saying that if if she had been employed in the capacity as a maid, that the grandmother would most certainly have been liable. And um, again, I, I, I find it quite interesting that the aunt is living in the house in, in this situation. And um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure, again, regarding um, exactly how deep the judgment goes into the details regarding that. But perhaps there is that kind of quid pro quo arrangement whereby, look, the aunt is 
is is being put up by the grandmother uh, in exchange for her doing some basic household tasks. So there is an expectation on the behalf of the grandmother that she'll help out around the house and do a few things that perhaps the grandmother at this stage isn't able to do. Don't be or, so ageist. Uh, well, <laughs> you asked me for my opinion, Gavin, and I'll damn well give it, all right? <laughs> I think that perhaps there is this uh, this arrangement whereby the grandmother expects the aunt to do a bit of help around the house in exchange for granny cooking the meals, putting her up, changing the sheets, things like but that. Is that. Can you actually call that an arrangement or is it just like, you know... I think it's an unspoken familial arrangement, but an arrangement nonetheless. But that's an unspoken familial arrangement, you know, like I still live with my parents. So I still have to, like, you just do it. It's not necessarily... Well, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a, it's a social contract by conduct, if you want to... If you want to call it that, like I just did. Yeah, um, but I still so, think calling it a contract still brings us back to the fact that they actually, the infant plaintiff in this case, they described the grandmother and the aunt as servants or agents. If I was in my grandmother's house and described her as a servant or agent, the wooden spoon would be broken over me. Like, the again, it's this sort well, of... First, wait, no, no, but you, you wouldn't... I mean, you wouldn't be in your grandmother. You would be the servant or agent of your grandmother. But this is describing the grandmother and the aunt as the servant or agent of the infant plaintiff. And again, this is back to my earlier point. This is such an artificial relationship because that basically what this says is that every time I go into my grandmother's house and have a cup of tea or she makes me a bacon sandwich, then she is legally defined as my servant or agent. There was also a dissenting judgment in the case. Now, a dissenting judgment is where one judge or a couple of judges disagree with the main decision in the case. So they don't decide the case, but they may be important in future cases because people will look back at them and say, well, one judge thought that the outcome of the case was wrong. The dissenting judgment in this case comes from Judge Henchy. Alex, you were having a look at that. What does Judge Henchy think? Judge Henchy was essentially now he did cite uh two english cases that go into the more detailed aspects of employment law and breaks down an argument legally but you know if you take a lot of it at face value it is that it's creating a relationship within a family just to satisfy a particular case and creating this you know maze and framework doesn't like it hasn't really stood the test of time but even still you know at the time he obviously felt that uh, there may be a danger that this might yeah that's right judge henchy was worried about how wide-reaching this case would be he said that there could be vicarious liability imposed for countless acts done in the daily round he said that the ante was just acting gratuitously she wasn't acting under any contract and this was just a commonplace innocent delegation of a household chore that the granny was doing and that the granny shouldn't be responsible he also sided with kind of what we were saying earlier he described the incident as an accident and he said it was just an unfortunate series of events that led to the poor girl being scalded by the tea a great line he has in the case is the redress of one wrong by the creation of another He says that while you're dealing with this situation for this poor little girl, you're getting her her compensation, you're creating another issue in doing so, 
which is that ordinary people may face legal liability and may be legally responsible for very casual, gratuitous acts within the home. Effectively, he said that the granny can't be blamed for the tea having spilled on the little girl. It was the auntie who left the tea on the table, not the granny. And there was no guarantee that the granny had an insurance policy which would pay for the injuries sustained by the little girl in this case. So that means, in future situations, maybe people who don't have insurance policies and don't have the money to be funding these medical bills might find themselves up before court in a similar situation. So what has happened since the 1970s since we've had this judgment? Well, you know, people still invite their relatives over for tea and people tend not to sue their grannies. There has been this emergence of what's known in popular culture as a compensation culture. Whether or not that really exists, there are of course people who make totally spurious and fraudulent claims in court, but there's also an insurance industry that perhaps hikes its prices and conveniently points back to solicitors and lawyers and says it's the lawyers are the problem for taking these fraudulent cases that are putting up everyone's costs when the insurance firms themselves might be profiteering. So we don't really want to get into that whole debate itself. But Irish judges haven't looked on this case too fondly. In 2009, it was described in the Supreme Court as moving towards a situation where every misfortune must be compensatable. It was suggested that this case, if followed, could have a big social cost and could increase insurance costs for everybody. We hope you enjoyed our delve into the case of Moynihan and Moynihan. You can read more about it and get the explanation of some of the legal concepts again in case you missed them on our blog. It's legallyfond.blogspot.com. If you have any questions, observations or insults, you can tweet me at Gavin underscore Dowd. Thanks for listening to episode one of Legally Fond. We hope you'll come back again. Mm-hmm.